Welcome to the Heavy Networking Podcast. Today we're talking about SD-WAN. Our sponsor is Silver Peak, but they've brought a, a customer of theirs to talk to us about their SD-WAN deployment. It's One Oncology. Greg, this was a far-ranging discussion about SD-WAN in the real world. What stood out to you? I think the most interesting part about this was that they're actually doing what most people would call digital transformation. They don't call it that, and they, I don't think Robert even saw it as that, but literally uh-huh. they're shifting from a static in-house model to moving all their services into a cloud-based model and part of that was the SD-WAN and he talks about how he transitioned from a transition that you know the traditional heritage model of networking routers firewalls at each branch with MPLS with QOS problems and trying to balance you know all the things and they moved to a SaaS service delivering IP telephony over the internet using SD-WAN and I, I, I really felt this was like a real story it didn't have any sort of uh, ring of forcedness or, or, or you know, glossing it up. It just felt real to me. That's right. And we also dug into the kind of the essential visibility that he got from SD-WAN, the ability to do application-based uh, policy requirements uh, to make sure that critical apps get the performance they need, and using a cloud-based orchestrator to tie it all together. So we covered a lot of ground. Yeah. I think people will enjoy today's show. Let's bring it on. So let's welcome our guests, Robert Holloway. He is the Infrastructure Manager at One Oncology, and Damon Ennis, he is SVP of Products at Silver Peak. Folks, welcome to the podcast. And Robert, can you get us started with a brief overview of One Oncology so we have some context about the organization? One Oncology is a managed services organization that is designed to help community oncology practices around the nation focus on what they do best, uh, which is taking care of patients um, while allowing uh, economies of scale um, and you know centralizing a bunch of back office services to be able to uh, um, help those physicians out. It's uh, brand new, uh, less than two years old. We have five practices um, going almost from West Coast to East Coast, uh, mm-hmm. from Arizona to New York. Um, it's about 250 physicians, uh, about 130 or so sites of care across the nation. Okay, so what kind of applications or services are you dealing with? What does IT have to deliver to help these oncology institutions run? A couple of the biggest things are um, we've developed an identity and access management platform. We have a central um, ERP system that's being used for back office services for all of the practices. Uh, We also have a a data and analytics platform that we have begun rolling out um, to help the physicians to be able to aggregate all of the data from all of the practices together to give us a larger data set to be able to look at various clinical data and see what um, certain practices and physicians are doing better and how we can take that to uh, help all of these practices do better um, for their patients. Now, this is a really big problem for medical practices is that IT is becoming critical to their organizations because being able to manage inventory, manage patients, know where they are, and then map their health record to know, you know, this is what this person's in for, this is what their history is, this is the treatment they're becoming, is becoming really critical to being a profitable medical organization. Because the more efficient you can be at the administration, the more the more um, cost-effective the medical uh, service can be. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, oncology, along with uh, several other different branches of medicine, is really going through a value-based care transition right now, um, moving from fee-for-service to value-based care, where what we are reimbursed by uh, the payers, either uh, Medicare, Medicaid, or uh, private insurance payers, uh, is based on uh, the entire episode of treatment and not just individual services that are provided. And so the best way to 
um, reduce the the cost of the treatment, or you know what the patients have to pay, and to maximize what we receive from the payers, uh, is to make sure that you know we keep patients out of the hospital. Uh, we make sure that we treat them, you know, in the most efficient way possible. That requires computers, and that means networks to connect the computers together, and software in various locations, and constant transfer of data, which is not historically something that medical has done. So it is a transition in that sense, a, a, a digital transformation in that way. Absolutely. So I want to focus, so we are talking about SD-WAN, so what role is the WAN playing here for these clinics? Are they connecting to each other? Are they connecting to hospitals? Are they healthcare facilities? Uh, really, it's a combination of all of those. We are connecting to our EMR system, uh, which is all cloud-based. Uh, it's a SaaS uh, offering from a company called Flatiron Health. We are also connecting to uh, central data centers for each of the practices, and also uh, at, at this point, in a limited way, um, between practices. So, you know, we're also connecting to hospital systems to, to share data and provide data with them. That's one of the big things with value-based care is to be able to know when our patients end up going to the hospital for an emergency stay or something like that um, so that we can uh, share all of that data and try and keep a, a more holistic record of the patient's health while they're under treatment. Okay, so each site uh, has a bunch of applications it needs to access. It has a bunch of services it has to provide. Are you also providing Wi-Fi either to staff or guests? Uh, both, yes. I'm curious, uh, we're in the midst of a pandemic. Is the work from home movement affecting the clinics and what does that mean for what they're doing with the WAN? Uh, it, it's definitely been an impact. Um, you know, you see uh, more and more um, back office employees and personnel um, working from home, um, even, you know, typical, you know, hourly clerical employees that have always come into the office um, because of shelter in place orders, et cetera, um, trying to uh, allow them to work from home as well. Um, that's been a big change. They're also trying to uh, minimize traffic in the clinics themselves, you know, cancer doesn't stop because of, you know, a coronavirus pandemic. Right. So we continue to treat patients. Um, they have dialed back some, uh, you know, basically uh, – checkup visits for patients that are in remission that are not under active treatment. Um, but patients that are under active treatment, they need to continue coming in for those visits. That's not something that you, you can't give chemotherapy via telehealth. So um, <laughs> we do have to, uh, to, to allow them um, into the clinics. Um, so it has been a challenge to try and, um, you know, find that, that balancing act between, um, you know, having your staff and the patients in there and also protecting uh, the patients and the staff. You know, that's pretty interesting to hear, Robert. I think we see a lot of our customers um, moving to work from home, obviously, with the shelter-in-place mandates. And now many of those customers are quite happy with SaaS applications and um, their home Wi-Fi. But there is a subset of people that are very critical in terms of the work that they have to do. Um, sometimes uh, you know, there's radiologists, for example, that are working from home that need... Um, very, very good access to the networks to be able to view the PACS files. We have game developers working from home that are doing very, very large file transfers. So in those kind of examples, it's quite useful to have an SD-WAN solution that expands um, not only from the data center to the branch office, but also to the, you know, the new micro branch, if you like, that's, that's someone's home office. And they can benefit greatly from you know, an automated architecture that lets them segment all their applications and gives them great visibility. Also, um, that's something that we've seen too that relates to healthcare is we've seen uh, an 
uh, sort of an explosion of these pop-up clinics that might be um, test locations for coronavirus um, or just expansions um, as as hospitals you know go, go beyond their physical capacity. And so there's a need to very very quickly. Um, throw up a, a wide area network that's using perhaps two 4G LTE connections mm, mm. and is providing you know connectivity to those um, very quickly installed clinics, if you like, that are that are popping up out of nowhere. Okay, so we've got some context around one oncology and what you're doing. So can you give us a sense of the challenges that you were trying to overcome with SD-WAN why you went down this technology path? Uh, sure. Um, Tennessee Oncology is where we started uh, with this, uh, one of the practices for One Oncology. Um, they were really in a, a situation where they had a lot of uh, WAN connections that they had next to zero visibility over um, and really no sense of automatic failover um, for locations, even if they did have uh, multiple uh, connections available. Uh-huh. Uh, so we really started looking at, at this from the sense of what can we do uh, to help handle failure of a circuit and to give us visibility into how the circuit is performing, uh, because that was something that Tennessee Oncology had really nothing for. Um, so that's how we started down the path of looking at SD-WAN as a solution to help us with those particular needs. And it's such um, a simple starting also, point, isn't it, that that idea of just, I need to have, instead of having active, passive, and 50% of my bandwidth is wasted, why am I not using both at the same time? Exactly. Yeah. Because we did, definitely it, had uh, several locations like that. That's right. And it just, it starts so simply, but then it started to grow into something else. Yeah. You know, we started looking at what are some of the other advantages and talking with the different SD-WAN vendors at the time. Um, and at the time, uh, Tennessee Oncology was beginning to transition from an on-premise EMR system uh, to a cloud SaaS-based EMR. And what we really needed for that was the ability to uh, classify and prioritize that traffic above other web traffic. You know, when it's an on-prem product and you know what ports it's running on and what server it's connecting to, it's easy to prioritize that. When it's something that goes out into the cloud, that's a lot more difficult. And uh, having that ability was something that we have found is a, is a big bonus for us. So you got that application identification, and then you can set policies around it to say, if it's this EMR traffic, make sure that gets first priority in terms of bandwidth and performance. Correct. And uh, Tennessee Oncology also uh, utilized a voice over IP phone system, they still do today, um, and the ability to classify that traffic um, and prioritize that uh, so that we could make sure that all of that phone traffic, which, you know, the vast majority of is uh, traffic relating to patients. We're talking to patients, talking to hospitals and insurance providers about the patients, et cetera. Uh, That's very important traffic, and we wanted to make sure that had priority. So you talked about the cloud-based EMR service that you're using. Is that internet-based, or did you use a a, a private WAN to connect to that? Uh, It's internet-based. Internet-based. So then you've got a real problem, because now you've got IP telephony, you've got the internet, getting quality of service over public WAN, which is not dedicated or guaranteed bandwidth, means you needed to have a high level of confidence that this would be successful, right? Correct. Yep. Was that frightening at the time? Like I can imagine way back when, like now you're a few years into this process and it's probably like, yeah, yeah, it just works. But back then it must have been a bit of a step, I guess. 
Uh, it absolutely was. You know, I think as a um, as a systems admin, a network admin, um, obviously anything that is within our control that we can directly affect and impact um, is something that, you know, we are used to and we're comfortable with. Once you go beyond the network perimeter and you lose that control, um, it does prevent or present a bit of a challenge. And it's something that um, we, we definitely thought a lot about in trying to figure out the best way to make sure that we were um, prioritizing that traffic. What can we do um, yeah. to, to help that? But it worked, right? So this is one of the questions that I still get most commonly today is, can I run my mission-critical app over the internet? And you're saying, yeah, it did, including IP Voice, uh, IP Telephony, as well as your core business app using SaaS. Absolutely. You know, we have uh, different policies in place to prioritize them at different levels. Um, we can see that um, in the flows within the product, and we can see how that traffic is being prioritized. And by and large, it has just worked flawlessly for us. Mm-hmm. So how did Silver Peak get on your radar? Were you just sort of looking around for a vendor? Did you build a shortlist to a POC? How did this whole thing come together? Uh, you know, we, we basically uh, went out and just did a little bit of research. Um, we'd had a couple of different vendors uh, contact us in the past. Um, and then uh, once we started getting serious about looking into SD-WAN, we reached back out to them, um, talked to them. I think there was a, a short list of about three or four um, different vendors that we that we looked at and talked to at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and after you made that short list, did you then do trials or how did you start, start to cut that down? Uh, so we basically went through and we put together uh, a, a list of, of requirements and what we really wanted uh, to get out of the whatever platform we chose. Um, I said the biggest things at the time were that application visibility, that tra- uh, circuit visibility, um, and the ability to prioritize traffic based on um, application layer um, uh characteristics. And so when we started looking at all the different vendors, um, there were only one or two that really met all of the requirements that we were looking for. And so we went back and started talking back and forth with those and getting some idea of pricing. Um, and from there, uh, we really felt that Silver Peak was the best offering. Um, and so we went ahead and decided to do a proof of concept with Silver Peak. I always like this idea of a short list of vendors, but I also wonder how time consuming was it to go through the process? Did it take like hundreds and hundreds of hours and weeks and weeks of work, or did you manage to compress it into something quite short? Um, I think we managed to to compress it into, I felt like, a reasonable period of time. Uh, We really didn't spend a ton of time on putting together our requirements um, or on going back and forth with the different vendors. You know, I think in terms of the amount of calendar time that we spent, you know, kind of researching and in discovery, it was probably, um, you know... uh, three or four months. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, by no means was that all spent, you know, completely dedicated to this process. Um, you know, I, I, I do a whole bunch of different things. This is one aspect of my job. Um, so we, we definitely had to kind of factor that into the process. Um, so it was probably three to four months um, total time during that discovery and really going back and forth with the different vendors, um, looking at different quotes, et cetera. So what pushed Silver Peak over the line for you? Was there sort of one thing in particular that stood out or was it just sort of a confluence of, of how it operated? Uh, I think we really liked uh, the licensing model that Silver Peak had. Um, and we also felt that it, it, it seemed to us at the time, um, and, and I think it's true, uh, that it had the most mature offering. Um, it was one of only two that could do the application 
uh, level classification that we wanted to be able to put in a, a mm. domain or a URL for internet traffic and classify that mm. at the time. Um, and between those two, uh, Silver Peak definitely was the most mature product, uh, and it seemed to have the most stable uh, support organization behind it. Um, and those were important factors for us as well. I imagine because you're you're not exactly in a capital city or a main area of you know the part of the world, you did need to be confident that there was an organization that was going to stand behind you. Yeah, absolutely. That was uh, something the other vendor we looked at um, was a, a lot newer organization. Their support model was a lot less mature, and we just didn't feel that we could take the risk um, mm. of going with that platform um, with the, the support that they had available at the time. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, you, you mentioned licensing. Was it just the terms of the license or the, was it the license itself really straightforward? Because you hear a lot in IT about complex licensing being kind of a hurdle in the whole purchasing process. You know, I, I felt it was relatively straightforward and comparing that to one of the other offerings we looked at, it was very straightforward. Um, the other was very much, uh, you know, a much more granular licensing that it got very, very complex very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like even, you know, today, Silver Peak's licensing is is pretty straightforward um, and, and is not difficult for me to understand. Mm. That's a real problem these days. This licensing gets, some of the vendors haven't kept it under control and it gets very confusing and you find yourself sucked into a time sink of trying to work out how much something actually costs and what features you're actually going to get. And then you start making random, de- you know, ill-informed decisions about what features you need. And, and at some point you end up saying to yourself, why do I even have to do this? It should be simple, shouldn't it? <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Right. We, 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 we strive to keep that simple. And, you know, it's um, a, a lot of vendors want to have multiple granular offerings with different categories of features. And the challenge is, I, I think, for people that are running networks is it's one large network and you need if you need a feature, you need it available everywhere across your network. And so once you start making those very granular buckets, you force people into deciding, can they do with or without a feature at a certain location or for a certain part of their network? And it gets incredibly complex. So I, mm. I appreciate Robert's comments because we, we do strive to keep that as, as straightforward as possible. Yeah, it seems like an odd feature to want to throw that kind of hurdle in front of customers, but... Uh then again, that seems how the industry is going. So uh, I, I'm curious, you know, what deployment was like? Uh, I think your initial rollout was about 30 sites in Tennessee. Did you have IT staff at each location? What was it like trying to get these Edge Connect devices installed and configured to the network and attached and all that? Yeah, um, we, uh, we're a central IT model. We don't have staff at every location. Um, we basically have the vast majority of our staff at our corporate headquarters in Nashville, and uh, we had one other person um, at one of our hub sites out in uh, Chattanooga in East Tennessee. Um, but from a network standpoint, we're all in one place. Um, IT in a healthcare uh, private practice organization is a very lean organization. Um, there's not a lot of excess resources. It's all operational. You don't have a projects team. Um, so trying to fit in uh, deployment of a new product and application along with our day job of keeping everything running um, can be a bit of a challenge. Um, so it did probably take us longer um, to deploy uh, than you know we would have liked. That had really nothing to do with Silver Peak um, and everything to do with uh, the availability of 
save our resources. Um, the most complex part of the deployment was not Silver Peak. It was uh, reconfiguring the firewalls that we had at every location to allow uh, Silver Peak and that firewall to coexist and to, to have that running together um, so that we, <laughs> as we deployed sites, we could switch them over to SD-WAN from the firewall. So it was uh, that was the biggest challenge by far. And, and in any deployment, when we put a, a site online with Silver Peak, um, 90% of the time and effort was getting the firewall reconfigured to allow for Silver Peak. So the actual Silver Peak uh, install and config at every location was very simple, very quick, uh, no issues with that whatsoever. Um, and then it's it's all of the rest of it that went into that process. So you had active standby firewalls and you had asymmetric routing problems or something like that? Uh, yeah, it was just a matter of uh, we wanted the, the Silver Peak to go in line so that for mm -hmm. our uh, Layer 2 Metro Ethernet mesh, um, cool. sites that were not yet Silver Peak deployed could yeah. continue to connect um, ah, on that right. mesh yes. to the firewall okay. mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and make sure that we had that adjusted as we moved from site to site to, to add more and more until they were all on Silver Peak. And now it's pretty straightforward. The firewalls just sit in line with the, with the Silver Peak appliances and away it goes. It's not a a lifetime complexity. Uh, no, and actually, um, at all but our internet egress hub sites, uh, we have actually removed those firewalls completely. Um, when Silver Peak uh, came out with their uh, land segmentation capability, um, their, their zone-based firewall, we were able to do that. And so we, uh, we upgraded the code, got all of those upgraded for that new feature, and then we were able to go in and actually take out those firewalls so that the Silver Peak appliance or appliances, if we have HA in that location, are acting as our branch router. Okay, so you've essentially collapsed a branch router, a firewall, into this one appliance. Exactly. And it's a VPN mm -hmm. using the public WAN. It's doing. And, uh, are you doing local breakout in any of these locations, like for the guest Wi-Fi or something like that? We are still doing backhaul. Um, to the data center for all of our traffic, but it is something that's on the radar for us to look at um, mm. local breakout. Kind of look at the guest Wi-Fi and you're thinking, why am I backhauling this to the data center? And the answer there is probably content inspection, but I guess at some point you can find a way around that as resources. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we still have some locations that, that they only have our Layer 2 Metro Ethernet and an LTE backup. Uh, we obviously don't want to send guest traffic across LTE um, because that's something that we it's, we're charged by the data. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, as we look to roll out chain, you know, additional uh, broadband capability out of those locations, uh, we may look to do that as well. And are you managing all these devices through Silver Peak's orchestrator? Uh, we are, uh, and we're actually using the, the Silver Peak cloud-hosted orchestrator. That must be a relief, because if you used to have routers everywhere and firewalls everywhere, it must just be a unique experience to go to having one place to configure everything. It really is, you know, and, and not just configure everything, but view uh, how things are running uh, across okay. the board. So you're, you're not only seeing the configuration state, you're saying you're seeing the analytics and you can see, is my SaaS application running to tolerance? Is my, you know, uh, IP telephony, is the MOS actually at levels and so on and so forth? 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we've had a couple of different things where we've been able to look at that data and validate, yeah, from a network standpoint, um, everything looks good. If there's an issue, it's either on the endpoint side or it's on the application side. Because from a network standpoint, we are processing and prioritizing traffic uh, as it should, and we're not seeing any issues in terms of latency, jitter, loss. When we look at those MOS scores uh, for voice traffic, they they almost always look good unless there is a problem, uh, in which case, once again, Silver Peak has given us the visibility of that so that we can go to the carrier and say, hey, we're looking at this circuit. There's a problem. Yeah, I want to touch on that because you mentioned visibility as sort of one of the, the key drivers for going down SD-WAN path in the first place. Can you give me a sense of what visibility is like sort of the before and after picture? Sure. Um, you know, the before picture was very much, uh, you know, running around uh, a room with a mask on, with a blindfold on, having no idea what the, the layout of the room is. Um, so you're constantly stumbling. You know, someone says there's a problem. Well, I, I can't see the problem. You know, you try and go to the carrier. The carrier says, we don't see a problem. You know, can you give us, prove to us that there's a problem with our with our network, with our circuit? Um, and we didn't have anything. It was very difficult to, to do that back and forth with the carriers when there was a problem. But even though, you know, gut feeling, I know this is a carrier problem, but I can't prove it because I don't have that visibility. After that, you know, we had, well, case in point, we had a, a circuit that was a, a backup circuit. It was manual failover. We hardly ever used it, but we had a use case for it. Our primary failed. We flipped over to it, and it had all sorts of problems. We had no idea that that was happening. Once we put Silver Peak in, then we're able to see, even while we're not necessarily dependent on that circuit, because we have both in an active-active environment now, that there's definitely a problem. You know, we see latency spikes and packet loss that, uh, you know, we wouldn't have seen before because we weren't actively sending traffic across that, that backup circuit. So we were able to take that and go to the carrier and say, hey, look, here's statistics. I can show you the graphs. I can show you the data. There's a problem. Um, and they were able to take that and look at it and go, well, you know, that's right. That is the sweetest moment when you take your carrier or your telco provider and you put a nail right through their dark little hearts and say, <laughs> there it is. There's the evidence. You can't squirm out of it. Go and make it good. Surely. Surely. Absolutely yeah? puts a smile on my face for sure. So. <laughs> Hey, Greg, you don't sound bitter at all. Uh, you know, I try not to be. <laughs> uh, our valuable uh, telco partners are a critical part of our team. <laughs> team, that's what we call it. Yeah, it's, I, I'm a big fan of this visibility. I mean, you know that if you've been following packet pushes for a while, that I'm all about monitoring and visibility and analytics. And in large part, it's because when you go to your telco, they go like, oh, not us, it's not our fault. And it's up to you to prove, even though it's their product, it's up to you to prove to them that their product is flawed. And this is actually, um, I actually know someone who deployed an SD-WAN solution and used the analytics feature to literally pay for the SD-WAN solution because the carrier was so out of contract that they were actually being issued refunds to the point where it ended up paying for the SD-WAN product over a, a two-year period. <laughs> Which you know, I it's was interesting, Greg, because one of the things that SD-WAN lets you do is leverage, you know, two or more paths. So when there is a carrier problem, you ride right over it. And so you don't know that you have the problem necessarily and the network stays up. But then you can use the analytics the day afterwards when you're not panicking to go and take that to the carrier and get them to improve things. So it's uh, definitely the best of both worlds from that perspective. Yeah, yeah, I like the fact that, Robert, you were able to be proactive. You're seeing trouble on a link that you're, you know, it's it's active, but you're not necessarily relying on it uh, for 
uh, essential traffic that you can say, hey, let's get this taken care of. If a situation rises where we do have to fail over to that, then we'll know at least it will be in better shape than it is now. Right. And it allows us to do that while we're not in the middle of crisis mode. You know, exactly. Things are down. We've got physicians and nurses and everyone that are screaming at us because they can't get anywhere. We're not in that state because we have that that active active and that failover. Uh, But we can handle it in terms of, hey, we're calm. We're going to work on this um, and do that without impacting uh, clinical operations. So I want to circle back around. You mentioned you're using uh, Silverpeak's cloud-based orchestrator. I'm curious why you went with the cloud version as opposed to having an appliance that you could sort of hug and hold and and keep to yourself. Um, you know, that's an interesting question because, uh, you know, again, I, I came out of the sysadmin world even before I, I got into the, to the network side of things. And, uh, you know, that, that control, and like you said, the ability to kind of hug and hold and touch um, yes. is something that sysadmins have, have held to very dearly for a long time. Uh, but one of the things that we really wanted to look into uh, was, uh, you know, ease of effort and not having to go through the process of standing that up and maintaining that. Again, IT organizations and a private health care provider, um, it's, a, it's a very lean organization. And so the ability to say, hey, we're willing to pay um, for Silver Peak to manage that for us and keep that management plane out of our network. So if we do have a network problem, uh, we still have visibility into that um, even without it being dependent on our network. So I think that was something that was important to us. We found exactly the same thing. You know, you can run an orchestrator on-prem, but for a lot of leaner organizations, having Silverpeak take care of the, you know, the care and feeding of the orchestrator is really a large advantage and, and knowing that it's um, going to be uh, highly available. And I know that um, you also use the orchestrator GE. And in that case, the GE is, it stands for Global Enterprise. It's a bit of a, bit of a lofty title. But what it means is that if you have multiple um, departments uh, or business units, you can manage multiple orchestrators um, from the cloud with a single sign-on. So it kind of gives you this multi-tenant capability to be able to, to manage everything from, from one place. Yeah, and that's a that's something that's sort of brand new for us. Um, you know, from the one oncology side, uh, you know, now that we have all these practices that we are trying to to, to assist and manage, um, you know, we did want to look into that as a capability um, once it once we saw that it was available. Um, it's actually not something that we've rolled out into production yet, um, but we are looking to do that to leverage that um, for uh, the Arizona practice when it goes live um, with Silver Peak, um, and mm-hmm. so it would have a, a subtenant for its own separate SD WAN fabric. Um, and then, you know, if New York uh, moves on from their proof of concept um, into production, we would do that as well, um, you know, as, a, as another subtenant there. So it's definitely something that from a, from a central one oncology IT standpoint, uh, it gives us that visibility plane, that reporting plane, and also that uh, single sign-on across all of the different um, SD-WAN fabrics and orchestrator instances. So, Damon, if you were doing acquisitions and wanting to bring organizations into an SD-WAN fabric, let's say you made an acquisition and you have an SD, a Silver Peak SD-WAN and you acquire a company that doesn't, would GE be a solution for that, do you think? So they could, they could build their SD-WAN separately and then eventually merge them together? Absolutely, it would be, yeah. And, you know, the, the M&A use case is, is a pretty good one for, for SD-WAN because it's all about getting those networks to work together as efficiently as you can. And... Um, some customers, like you said, want to manage them as separate, um, and perhaps that's in, uh, forever. And some of them want to start by having them separate and then merging the networks together, and we enable all those use cases. 
And because that is increasingly our use case for SD-WAN is the acquisition and welding together multiple networks. It's one thing that I'm seeing a lot of. Is that what you're seeing as well? Yeah, we are. And, you know, in particular, it's the ability to, to, in that case, more than anything, to have the networks working together uh, very quickly in a a small amount of time. You know, in in the old days of running a network, if you did an M&A acquisition, they were were completely separate networks um, managed by different teams. And you had to go through complicated procedures and enabling things like VRFs to try to get it to work. Um, The ability Mm. to to rapidly stand up internet circuits and to be able to orchestrate the networks just makes that that whole um, activity so much uh, easier to do. And it's a much uh, faster payoff for the the companies that are merging together. They're just efficient. Yeah, that's right. And it's interesting that SD-WAN's being used as a merger technology, you know, to integrate acquisitions rapidly. I've seen some people uh, use it just straight up as an internet over the internet, sort of like replacing a VPN, but doing better. And then actually using that as a wedge point to start using SD-WAN more, more widely. And then in some cases, it actually allows for, you know, still using the separate IT teams until at some point you merge them together. And that's what Orchestrated GE is going to give you that ability to, you know, do some sort of synchronization or harmonization between the infrastructure before you unify it into a single operational infrastructure. Yep, that's exactly right. Uh, that's cool. So, Robert, I want to ask, you know, once you've got the Edge Connects deployed, once you've got your policies in place, uh, you've got your circuits and links all uh, configured, did anyone notice, I'm thinking about either end users like uh, clinicians, staffers, or even on the IT side in terms of operations? Um, you know, I, I don't know that there was uh, what I would just call just a, a, a bevy of, uh, of just, you know, accolades. Uh, but, you know, from a sport organization, it's the lack of chaos and the lack right. of complaints that you really notice. Yes. Um, and we definitely notice that. Um, you know, once we put SD-WAN in place, um, all of a sudden we have uh, clinics that continue to operate, continue to see and treat patients, even when there is a major WAN outage, because we have an alternative circuit. It runs through the SD-WAN product and allows us to do that where it's seamless. Um, one of the things that we have always taken place pleasure in uh, when we deployed a location uh, was that uh, part of our our final test after we got SD-WAN live at a location, um, off hours obviously, uh, was that, you know, our network engineer would go in and would just pull the plug on one connection while we were on a VoIP call. Uh, to someone at the location. And it was such a thrill to us for those first few locations when nothing happened. We just kept (laughs) chatting, didn't have any clue that something took place. Um, Plug it back in, still works. Pull the plug on the other circuit, no idea that it happened. Um, It was absolutely seamless and flawless from an end user standpoint. I've got this vision uh, of you standing there and unplugging it and replugging it and giggling to yourself and plugging it back in, (laughs) unplugging it. Yeah, there was definitely uh, quite a bit of giddy giggling when it happened. So. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of unfortunate, but uh, IT, and I think particularly networking, knows that they're doing a good job if no one's complaining. That's that's the best you get. Absolutely. You know, and, and there was definitely some, some knowledge, and uh, our CIO did a good job of uh, making sure that leadership was aware that we were doing this and putting this in place. Um, so we definitely got some, some pats on the back from, from leadership about it. But for us, probably the biggest thing is noticing, hey, we're just, you know, when something happens, the physicians don't know. They just keep treating patients. They just keep doing what they're supposed to do without mm-hmm. having to, you know, get mad or upset and angry because they can't do what they're supposed to do. Yep. No news is good news. And in a, in a medical context, I've, I've done 
many years of work inside of hospitals and medical practices, shared medical practices over large geographic areas. And there's nothing uh, more frightening than a practitioner, a medical doctor, or as particularly a trained, like somebody who's a special doctor, you know, in a particular discipline coming down and just reaming you, uh, 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 you know, getting very angry and very distressed about something that impacted them because they really do um, make a make it stick. It really hurts when they say it. Absolutely. <laughs> so you mentioned, uh, you know, your CIO is aware. I'm, I'm curious what kind of metrics you might be using to report to executives or business leaders about this, this uh, engagement, this deployment, and whether it's working or not. Um, you know, I don't know that there were any uh, specific metrics that we used, uh, you know, from a, a reporting standpoint to give to them about it. I think it's uh, mostly just been in the, the knowledge that the issues that used to crop up all the time uh, no longer crop up anymore. Um, really, it, it's been mostly that and the visibility that when something does happen, um, you know, after the fact, we're able to tell them, hey, FYI, our main circuit was down for two hours. Did you notice? Nope. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Yeah, that is pretty cool. I know you mentioned that um, you got rid of your physical firewalls and you're using uh, firewall capability native to uh, Silver Peak. Are you also using any other security devices at branches or cloud-based security services? Uh, at this time, no. Since we are backhauling all of our traffic to the data centers, mm -hmm. um, we bring all that back and we still have a firewall there that handles um, security on the egress um, to the internet from that point. We have looked into that, and uh, I think it's something that we would consider if we ever did decide to look at breaking traffic out locally um, for SaaS applications and whatnot. So it's definitely something that's, that's kind of on our mind and on our radar. Yeah, the CASB stuff for the guest Wi-Fi has to be a a pretty simple decision just to start with. Yeah, I think that would be an easy one. And, you know, as we uh, as we try and make that transition away from that LTE backup at most locations so that we have some type of either broadband or DIA, um, mm -hmm. then I think we will really seriously begin to look at that um, and the ability yeah. to do that. Yeah, moving the guest Wi-Fi onto a broadband and moving it off the DIA and then sending it through a CASB in case somebody looks at something inappropriate, you know, while they're on your premises would actually probably be the obvious way to, to peel that onion rather than go with a big bang approach. Direct breakout is one option. Do you have plans or ideas of other things you can do with SD-WAN? Um, you know, at this point, I don't know that we've, you know, thought uh, a lot on, you know, really evolution. Um, what would be some of the next things beyond being able to do the internet breakout, um, looking at CASB as an option um, for uh, securing that traffic as it leaves the, the, the local uh, sites? Um, I don't think we've really looked at anything beyond that. What about expansion? Do you see this as a way to, you're providing a shared service to a number of oncology practices. Is this a way for you to go into them and, and you feel more confident about offering them shared services, knowing that you've got stable, predictable WAN services, and probably reasonably priced as well. Uh, yeah, you know, I think that's uh, definitely something that factored into, uh, you know, looking at deploying this in the Arizona practice. Um, we were able to leverage the existing relationship and get some pretty solid pricing for that. Um, you know, again, looking at economies of scale, that's one of the things that one oncology is supposed to provide. Uh, so that was something that was important there. I think it also 
you know, the, the knowledge and experience that we have with the product is going to help us to present that to the practices. Uh, individual practices continue to make their own um, operational and financial decisions about a lot of things. So uh, they still make that final decision. But if we can mm. go to and say, look, we have a lot of uh, tribal knowledge on this. It works well. We can show you how it's been implemented and how it has uh, helped uh, Tennessee Oncology and hopefully soon Arizona Blood and Cancer Specialists and hopefully soon New York Cancer and blood specialists in Long Island. Um, you know, I think that will be something that um, mm. we'll be able to take that. And as additional practices join the, the partner network, we'll be able to say, hey, um, SD-WAN is something that we should think about. Yeah. I'm curious if um, managing service providers is becoming more of a challenge, particularly as you're expanding into other geographical regions. Uh, you mean telco providers? Yeah, telco providers, yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, it is. Uh, we've been trying to look at um, carrier consolidation, um, which has been a huge challenge because there are carriers that are very prevalent in the Tennessee and southeastern region where two of our practices are, and they have next to no footprint in New York, um, right. and same thing out in Arizona. So that's something that we haven't been able to quite realize um, just because, uh, you know, what works well in one place doesn't necessarily always carry across to another geographic region. Yeah, and I'm also thinking just in terms of, you know, uh, billing and monitoring and all that, whether have you ever considered like a telecom broker to uh, help with that? Uh, that's one of that's partly the, this process that we've been looking at is working with a, a broker to try and figure out, um, you know, what our options are. Uh, mm -hmm. It's definitely still a work in progress right now. Sure. Yeah, we see telecom brokers come up a lot in the U.S. market in particular because it's a the, the way that the U.S. telco market is very regionalized and there's each telco tends to have a specific area for internet access. And so you tend to end up with a lot of suppliers, which is uh, most people tell me it's very time consuming to manage lots and lots of different internet pipes and to, when it comes to billing and reconciliation. Yeah, you know, I mean, and even just like you said, managing the billing, you know, right now Tennessee Oncology I think has five different um, telco bills that we pay for various mm. uh, uh, voice or uh, WAN services. Um, we are about to collapse that down um, and move, consolidate, do some consolidation there. Um, mm. But it is an issue. It, it's something that, you know, and that we're seeing across the board. It's not just Tennessee Oncology. All the practices deal with it. Yeah, but, I don't, yeah, don't want to make you know, a We're trying to make it better. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying yeah. I don't want to make a big deal out of it because, you know, that's a pretty small problem compared to running an MPLS network with a router and a firewall you know, and only getting half the bandwidth from each location together and, and all the other stuff, you know, it is a, it's not exactly a pain point per se, but. Right. We hear a lot of people talking about digital transformation and how shifting your organization to use cloud-based services or SaaS-based services and use the public WAN or what you what most people call the internet is a, is a digital transformation process. Would you agree with that statement or do you just not think about it in that sense? You're just making decisions to do whatever seems right. You know, it's one of those things that you, you hear a lot and you see a lot about when you go to conferences, um, but is it something that I think about, you know, in my day-to-day -day operational responsibilities? No. Uh, but, you know, I think when I step back and look at 
what has changed um, with how we operate and the services that we provide or connect to in the last three to four years, um, it's definitely been a transformation. You know, we went from, uh, you know, working with Tennessee Oncology, a company that everything ran out of our data center, everything ran over our, our private network, unless you were going, you know, to the internet to view uh, a news site or something like that. Um, but it was all contained within our network. And now when I think about, you know, our primary application, which is our EMR, is SaaS-based. We're using Office 365, SaaS-based. Mm-hmm. Um, our analytics tool that One Oncology is providing, um, from the perspective of the practices, it, it's SaaS-based, available on the Internet. Our ERP system, SaaS-based. You know, all of this stuff is, is stuff that is no longer managed within our data center. So, And, it, and it's all things that um, change uh, the way our clinicians and staff uh, operate and how they they deal with patients and with each other. So it's uh, it's been a huge change, I think, over the last few years, and it's really continuing. It's definitely not, I don't think it will ever stop. Yeah, I was just thinking, it sounds to me like if you went to a conference, you'd call yourself, you know, Tennessee Oncology's Digital Transformation Project. That's what you'd call it. But in reality, it's been a lot of, you know, substantial decisions, but step-by-step, piece-by-piece, it's just a a day-to-day thing. It's not a a headline project that's got a team and, you know, flags and a marching band running down the street going, we're doing digital transformation, you know. Well, I think there's an opportunity for Robert here to go to his LinkedIn profile after we record the show. (laughs) Yeah, we're spearheading digital transformation for essential health services industry. (laughs) Uh, there you go. There you Recruiters go. are going to come knocking. <laughs> well, I think it's time to wrap up. Before we go, Robert, I want to ask if there are any lessons learned or takeaways that you want to share with folks who may be uh, thinking about or uh, just at the beginning of an SD-WAN deployment or engagement. Uh, you know, for me, I can just go back to what were the, the important things for us and, you know, kind of a couple of things that we've learned along the way. Um, you know, number one, do your homework uh, internally first. Figure out what your requirements are. Really, what are you trying to accomplish? Um, and then, you know, when you start to look at the requirements, really dig in. Uh, make sure you have a lot of good back and forth with the vendors that you're discussing and looking into. Um, and, and finally, do a proof of concept. Um, you know, if you try and make a um, a decision on this blind, um, as with anything, uh, that's something that could de- definitely come back and bite you in the end. Um, we did a proof of concept, and we, we never even looked back because we felt that it was a, a great uh, success for us. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think the, the main things and drivers, again, for SD-WAN are the same things we've talked about. It's application visibility. It's circuit visibility. And it is, uh, for me, probably more than anything else, it's that feeling of confidence that, um things are going to continue to operate for our clinics. Well, that does wrap up our time. Uh, Damon, if folks want to find out more about Silver Peak, where should they go? Yeah, please go to silver-peak.com slash packet pushers. There's a bunch of assets there that are relevant to this conversation, uh, including uh, some really interesting case studies. Thank you. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Robert, and thank you, Damon, for joining us, and thanks to Silver Peak for being a valuable sponsor. You can find this and many more fine, free, technical podcasts along with our community blog. That's at packetpushers.net. You can follow us on Twitter. We're at packetpushers. Find us on LinkedIn, like us on Facebook, and rate us on Apple Podcasts. And last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.